Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lift it up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. Pride. And we're going to see that pride be addressed over and over and over. And that with that basis of pride, it is now springing up into many different symptoms all throughout this book that's being addressed. Notice, if you don't mind, as we pick it back up in the book of 1 Corinthians in chapter number 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and notice with me in verse number 18. The book of 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18, the Bible says this, Let no man deceive himself. If any man among you seemeth to be wise in this world, let him become a fool, that he may be wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, he taketh the wise in their own craftiness. And again, the Lord knoweth the thoughts of the wise, that they are vain. Therefore, let no man glory in men. For all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or things present or things to come, all are yours. And ye are Christ and Christ is God's. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, mark a phrase that we find in the book of 1 Corinthians in chapter number 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and notice in verse number 21, notice the command, let no man glory in men. Let no man glory in men. If you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together, and then we will hit this subject here. Let no man glory in men. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for you being a wonderful God. And as we come to you now, we're just asking that you would give us much wisdom and much discernment that we can understand the principle that is being taught here in the context of the divisions and the pride and the things that are going on, that everything should be about you. I'm asking, Lord, that, that tonight it would be all about you, that you would get all the glory, that you would get all the honor, that you would get all the praise, that our eyes would be upon you, and that we would praise you and understand that you are a God who knows what he is doing. I'm asking, Lord, that you would give grace and that you would give mercy, that we can trust you. Fill me with your precious spirit so you could get your own work accomplished through your precious word. And let this be a true help to all these folks that are here tonight. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. As the Apostle Paul is now addressing the church, he's trying to deal with the idea of divisions. But the divisions, as I said before, are symptoms of the main problem. The main problem is pride. Pride is one of the main source problems. And pride is an intangible thing that shows up very tangibly. If you don't mind, we have this saying here, let no man glory in man. If you don't mind, as we go through here, let's try to see what God is getting across. The first thing I'd like to show you is let no man deceive himself. Let no man deceive himself. Notice with me in verse number 18. Let no man deceive himself. 
It's pretty easy to outline when it's already in the Bible. Let no man deceive himself. The worst deception is self-deception. The worst deception is self-deception. Do you know that you can, because of pride, you can get a false view of yourself. That is a good definition of pride, by the way, if you've never wrote that specific definition. What is pride? Pride is a false view of oneself. It means you're self-deceived. You don't have a realistic view of yourself. Now, we know that pride shows up in two major aspects. The first one is one we'd all recognize. The idea that, look how great I am. Everyone acknowledge me. See me in my glory. This person is full of pride. They don't see themselves as they truly are. They don't see themselves as God sees them. That is pride. But most people don't suffer from that type of pride. Some do. Most people suffer from another version of pride. It's still pride, a false view of themselves. But most people suffer through this type of pride. I'm so useless. I can never be used. Why should God acknowledge me? Why should I even bother? Why should I even try? That is still pride. It is a false view of yourself. And that false view of yourself is self-deception. That you have fooled yourself into believing something that's not true. Whether it's, look at how great I am, or look at how horrible I am, God can never use me. It is a false view of oneself. The only way for us to see ourselves as we truly are is by God's precious word. To have an open heart, to have a teachable spirit, to allow the word of God to show us who we truly are. Hold your finger here and let me show you what I mean by this. Look with me in the book of James. So if you're in 1 Corinthians, look towards the end of the New Testament. We'll come to the book of James. Notice what the Bible says in the book of James. And notice with me in James chapter 1. James chapter 1. And notice with me in verse 23. James chapter 1 and verse 23. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. This glass here is a mirror. So the Bible says that <laughs> what happens is that the Bible is a mirror. Verse 24, for he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whosoever looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he be not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This man shall be blessed in his deed. So we know that different mirrors can show you different things. If you go to a fun house, you go to a fun house mirror that you see the one and you're fatter than normal and you laugh and look at how that, you go to the one and it's all squiggly and you laugh at that, how misshapen you are. You go to the one and you look really skinny and go, wow. Then you go look at the normal one and go back to the one that's skinny and said, I just want to stay here. The Bible, the way that God set it up is that the Bible gives us an accurate reflection of ourselves. That's why a lot of people don't like the Bible. It's not because of the Bible, it's because they don't like the reflection. 
They don't like what they see about themselves. They don't like what the Bible points out about themselves. The Bible is a mirror. And the Bible, if we allow the Bible to have its perfect work, will show us all of our flaws, our failures, and the things that need to be fixed. Pride makes us do as this passage says, verse number 24, for he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. This is someone who is a hearer of the word and not a doer. Someone who doesn't obey the Bible, who doesn't allow the Bible to do its perfect work. The Bible gives us an accurate reflection and all of us need to have an accurate reflection because without a mirror, we will all think that we are better than what we are or a different version of what we are. For example, a mirror is useful when we're fixing to go out and we forgot to comb our hair so we don't go out and our hair's all over the place. Or a mirror is important if you're fixing to go to an important meeting and you smile and realize there's spinach in your teeth and let's get that out before I go to... A mirror is helpful. It may not show you what you want to see, but it shows you what you need to see for the purpose of you getting it fixed. The mirror is not trying to be mean to you. The mirror is trying to show you what you really are like. In order for us not to be self-deceived, we have to allow the Bible to give us an accurate view of ourselves. This is why when we stay away from the Bible, we become a lot more self-deceived. Before anyone else could deceive us, we start with deceiving ourselves. I can handle sin. It's not a big deal. No, if I'm looking in the mirror, I can't handle sin. Well, you know, I can, I can go ahead and do this. I, I've got this. No, you can't. You need God's help. The Bible is a mirror. In order for pride to be responsive, we stay away from the Bible. We stay away from the mirror. Without looking at the mirror, not getting a clear vision of who we are, not getting a clear reflection, we could start to believe things about ourselves that's not true. And that self-deception is a big deal. You see, the whole problem is pride. The whole problem is that people don't have an accurate view of themselves. That's why it starts off, let no man deceive himself. That before we worry about others deceiving us, we have to worry about us being deceived. Let no man deceive himself. See if it goes on in verse 18. Going back to 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18. Let no man deceive himself. If any man among you seemeth to be wise in this world... Meaning, you start to get to the place where you feel like the world is accepting you. Notice uh, there's a cure for this. Let him be a fool that he may be wise. Remember the word fool in the book of 1 Corinthians has the word stupid. So if you really think that you've got your stuff together and you think the world is starting to accept you, go do something stupid for the Lord. What do you mean by this? Hello, yes, I'm from the Riverview Baptist Church and we're just going around the neighborhood trying to be a blessing. I mean, we all have had doors where they open the door and they think we're stupid and out of our mind. And it's one of the reasons why we don't like going soul winning and don't like passing out tracts and time to talk to people is that we're not afraid that they're going to reject the Lord. We're afraid they're going to reject us. And we're putting ourselves out there to give a tract to someone, to invite them to church. To knock on, whether it's at work, 
or whether it's <laughs> on there, where we have a hard time looking stupid for the Lord's sake. We don't want to read our Bible in front of the break room. What will people say? I don't want to look stupid. People, you're stupid for reading your Bible. We're afraid of what people will say about us. But if you ever want to see where your pride level is, do something stupid for the Lord. And let God take care of you. And let do it anyways. Our pride keeps us from doing something for the Lord. Like inviting people to church. We've all been there where we know that we should go talk to someone. We know we should pass out a track, but we try to talk ourselves out of it. That's pride. Because <laughs> we don't have a jail sentence in America for passing out a track. No one's going to beat you. No one's going to shoot at you. We're just afraid of what they're going to say about us. It's our pride that gets in the way. And the Bible says that if uh, you truly want to... Uh, to check your pride level out, be willing to be stupid in the world's eyes. Now, it's not saying willing to be stupid, stupid in the world's eyes. Give you another example. Now, we kind of have a different church, but you know, in most Baptist churches, when the congregational singing goes on, it's nothing but a whisper. Because yeah. nobody wants to sound stupid because they don't sing as perfect as well as everybody else should. Well, if you want to try to lower down pride, again, you're not trying to show off, bring attention to you, but I'm going to sing the best I can out loud for the Lord, for his glory and his honor. And I know I'm going to be stupid and people are going to say things about me and say, I wish he wasn't. You understand? Step out. If you want to see where your pride level is at, how humble you are, how full of flesh you are, do something stupid for the Lord, meaning stupid in the world's eyes, to step out. This self-deception keeps us from moving forward. This self-deception keeps us from trusting God. The self-deception makes us more worried about what others think about us when it shouldn't be about us in the first place. That's the problem. We try to make things about us. What are they going to say about us? What are they going to think about us? Are they going to reject us? Notice in verse number 19. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. The Bible says the world's way is stupid thinking. So why should we even want to have the world applaud us? Because their way is foolish anyways. It doesn't match up with God's thinking. Then notice this. For it is written. So he's going to quote the Bible. He taketh the wise in their own craftiness. This is verse is a quote from Job, actually Job 5.13. It is the only quote of Job in the New Testament. This verse carries the idea that God sees through man's craftiness and worldly wisdom, that God sees through the heart of the matter. We know that people come up with their schemes and their plans. Remember the church of Corinth, they divided up into factions. They all believe that they're super spiritual. They all have these things that they think they're doing right. When Paul's coming up, most of these people think they are doing great. They are, look, what a great job about this and that. Look at how well we're doing this. And they're failing all of it. They're self-deceived. They all think they're doing great. That's part of our problem too, is that we think we're doing great and we're missing the mark completely. 
Don't be self-deceived. Understand that we need to be dead to self, looking to God, and that God sees our great plans. He sees our craftiness. He sees our worldliness. He sees our, our thought process, and he sees through it. And he sees that it's nothing but foolishness. Notice in verse 20. And again, the Lord knoweth the thoughts of the wise, meaning the wise of the world, that they are vain. The word vain right here carries with it the idea of void of result. Void of result. Meaning that all of their schemes, all of their plans are going to come up empty. Void of result. That God sees through their schemes. He already sees the end of it. That you're working so hard to build this big platform and it's going to fail. It's going to burn horribly. Your big plans of how you're going to get this accomplished, it's going to not get the results that you were looking for. And you put a lot of effort and a lot of sweat and a lot of tears to do it your way just for it not to work. It's foolishness. It's stupid. Why put all that effort for something that's not going to work? You know, if we were to be honest, what our normal response is, is when someone says that we're doing something wrong, we double down in our efforts as if we try harder, it's going to work. That's our normal response. We double down. <laughs> and God says, it's going to be void of it. It doesn't matter how much you try, how much you put into it. If you're doing it your own strength, you're doing it your own way. It's not going to produce the results you were looking for. Let no man deceive himself. You are not as good as you are. You're not as bad as you are. Meaning the idea that God can never use me. Your plans of trying to pass out tracks and never be found out. That's not going to work. The idea that I could be spiritual and, and uh, do a secret service agent. That no one could ever find out that I'm a Christian. It's not going to get the results that you were expecting. That we have to do things God's way and stop deceiving ourselves, thinking that we have the greatest plans, that we have the best ideas, that the world's applauding. Oh, look at you. That's the way to do it. That's probably showing that you're on the wrong track altogether. That if you ever want to test those waters, do something stupid in the world's eyes for the Lord. See how that works out. See if your pride will even allow you to let no man deceive himself. Which brings us to a second thing and where we're going to spend the rest of the time here. Let no man glory in man. Let no man glory in man. Now this is going to be a very interesting study for these remaining verses. We have to put our attention that, the, that everything should be based off the word of God and not man. Man is always prone to to error. It doesn't matter what man they're prone to error. Greater men than me have failed. And I'm sorry to burst your bubble. I will fail you. I'm going to disappoint you. Some people like to put pastor on a pedestal. Please don't put me on a pedestal because I don't want God to knock me off to teach you a lesson. I'm a person and I'm going to fail. Think about Moses. He failed. He led the people and the children of Israel, talked with God, and he got so mad at the people that he struck the rock the second time. And because of that, he couldn't go to the promised land. He messed up big time in front of everyone. David, 
the sweetest psalmist, the, the man after God's own heart who wrote all these great psalms. He failed and he failed big time. Messed everything up. Paul, he messed up. I mean, there was a time he got in the flesh. He was arrested, had the Pharisees and the Sadducees and he knew what would stir him up. And he said, resurrection and step back and let them start fighting each other. He went back to his prison cell and said, man, I messed up. That was, that was flesh. I, I sh- shouldn't have done that. Paul messed up. People will fail. That's why we put our dependence on the word of God and let God do his work because God can never fail. We can't put glory in men, but God is in charge. Depend upon him, depend upon his word. Here, notice in verse 20, it says something very interesting. And again, the Lord knows, or verse 21, therefore, let no man glory in men. For, no, notice that word for you could ask the question, why? Why should we therefore not let man glory in men? Why? For all things are yours. Now that's an interesting phrase. Jump towards the very last verse, verse 23. Uh, uh, verse 22 at the end, it says, all are yours and ye are Christ and Christ is God's. What's going to do here is it's saying that all things are yours. It's meaning that God is giving all things for your benefit, all things for your benefit. God loves us and he wants to use the things around us and he has put circumstances and put people and put things in our life for our benefit. Even things you don't think is your benefit. We can trust God. Notice this. All these gifts God gave to us, first of all, it doesn't matter who. It doesn't matter who. Verse 22. Whether Paul, whether Apollos, whether Cephas. It gives three names here. Now remember, the divisions of the church were set up. I'm of Paul. I'm of Apollos. I'm of Cephas. So they had these divisions here. And Paul is saying it doesn't matter who. God put these men in your life in order to be a benefit to you. Some people may have a favorite preacher. That doesn't mean you can't listen to other preachers. God has put different people with different styles in our life for a purpose. As long as they're opening the Bible, we can learn from them. And we have to get to the thing. There are some people that get to the place, well, the only person I can listen to is my pastor. Well, then you're going to be missing out quite a bit because there's other people that are meant to help you. Well, the only person I would listen to is my favorite TV evangelist. God's given other people to help you. Some people get so locked on that they can't listen to someone else. And that's very dangerous because God has given all these. Some people preferred Paul because of his strength. Look at how strong Paul was. All the afflictions, all the persecutions. Look, he was still able to go. Look at his strength. That's why I stand with Paul. Some people preferred Paulus because of his style. Listen, the way that he preaches, that just, oh, that motivates me. I like the way he says it. I like the way he, he, he's eloquent. He says the words the right way. I, that's, that's what I listen to. I don't, I don't want to listen to anyone else. I just want to listen to Apollos. Some people preferred Cephas because of his stand. Oh, there's someone who stands in the old past. There's someone who stands for the old ways. That's what I stand for. 
But God is saying, God has put all of these people in their lives for the purpose of helping them and working with them. That we're not just stuck with one person, but God could even allow a teenager who opens the Bible, knees knocking so loud we could hear it from the back row, and open the Bible and still help us. Because we're trusting God's word, not the instrument. God could use instruments. Some people can not know anything and they're just trying to do the best they can and God could help them. Now, this is a help because not everyone has your pastor. And we don't have to say, oh, those poor people, God gave them the pastor that they need. And he's not lesser than. As long as he opens up God's word and let God's word do its own work, God could use them. That's a blessing. Otherwise, can you imagine that if there was only a few people that God used, the small churches would always be empty? That brings up to a second thing. It doesn't matter who. It also doesn't matter where. It doesn't matter where. Notice it it says in verse 22, whether Paul or Apollos or the world, it doesn't matter where. Do you know that one city is not better than the other? You could have a city church and a country church. And both of them, if they're doing their best for the Lord, God likes them both. Amen. That helps quite a bit. That God can use a small church to get his work accomplished. And he can use a big church to get his work accomplished. They just have different opportunities and different race to run. And that God can use small churches in a big way. Some of you, if you like to read, I encourage you to read Andrew Murray. Great books on prayer. But you know, he never pastored a big church. Small little rinky-dink country church like ours. But they said from that little place in Georgia, he prayed holes in heaven. Because he got a, learned to get a hold of God and so many things were answered. And there was a great influence from that small little country church. That God, it doesn't matter where, that God, as long as they're trying to do what's right, God can use them. So it's dependent upon God, not people. It's dependent on God, not the location. It's dependent upon God, no matter who. It's dependent on God, no matter where. It's dependent on God, no matter what. Notice again in verse 22. Whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life, or death. Life or death. It doesn't matter what. Do you know that life is a gift? God provides us life. And he provides life for a purpose. Do you know that only a believer can use life well? Only a believer knows how to use life. Now, when we say this, we're not saying when everything's fine and dandy and everybody's smiling. A believer knows how to use life no matter what is tossed at them. Let me give you an example. Fanny Crosby, at five weeks old, had an eye disease, and the doctor who tried to work with her blotched things, and she was permanently blind. And she could have got to the pity disease. Well, God can never use me because I can't see. But do you know that God ended up using her as she got saved? She surrendered her life and said, God, whatever you could do with my life, you're allowed to do. And she made herself available and she became a prolific songwriter. There was a time where she was writing three hymns a week. 
writing so many hymns. It was Fanny Crosby who wrote all the way, my savior leads me, cheers each winding path I tread, gives me grace for every trial, feeds me with the living bread. Though my weary steps may falter and my soul a thirsting be, gushing from the rock before me, lo, a spring of joy I see. Oh, she says, I don't care what happens as long as I'm looking at the Lord, God can still make it work. That it doesn't matter what. Only a believer who's looking at the Lord can use the life and all of its problems and all of its issues and still rejoice in the Lord and enjoy the journey that God has given to them regardless of the circumstances. It says not only life, but it says death. It doesn't matter what. Only a believer knows how to die. A believer knows how to die who's trusting in God. Do you know that death is still a gift of God? That's what all of these are gifts. Death is a gift of God. You know, that's a good thing, especially for those of you who, who counsel with people. We need to learn to be able to explain this to people when they have a loved one that dies. Why did God allow this to happen? God was good to allow it to happen. Now, not, we can't say it in a mean way, but that needs to be brought to an understanding if they believe in the Lord and they're able to trust God. God knows what he's doing. Even death can be a gift of God and believers who, do the, who believe that and could trust God even for death, they could die well. People who are away from the Lord, who are not saved, they don't die well. Take Queen Elizabeth, the great queen, she said once that in my heart pounds the heart of a man, of a king of England, no less. It was under her reign that the British Empire was able to defeat the Spanish Armada and allow truth to spread that with the Spanish Armada still in charge, Catholicism would have control of the world. But with the Spanish Armada defeated, truth was able to spread across the world as the, the back of Catholicism was broke into the new world and beyond. That it was under Queen Elizabeth who spread the British Empire so far that it was said that the sun never set upon the British Empire. However, when she was dying, she was so afraid of death that she was going to fight death every inch, just like she fought the Spanish, just like she did to spread the empire. She had them bring in pillows. She refused to lay down. She refused to sleep, afraid that she couldn't wake up. So they put pillars behind her and she leaned against the wall and fought for everything until finally she said the famous quote, all my possessions for one more moment. She didn't die well. But then you take someone like a David Livingston who opened up the interior of Africa, who opened it up for missions, carved out and won people to the Lord. And at the end of his life, he is dying, was bleeding, had um, all kinds of things going on. He was in all by himself with uh, two African guards that were guarding his tent that night. When they went and checked on him the next morning, David Livingston was dead. But somewhere along the night, he got out of his bed, went down to the ground, 
on his knees and he was praying when he died. You can imagine that prayer thing. God says, David Livingston, I presume. Why don't you come home with me? And David Livingston died on his knees talking to his heavenly father. Someone who knew how to die. You see, God was able to provide that as a gift and as a testimony that God knows what he's doing and we could trust him no matter who. As long as someone is surrendered to God, God can use them. It doesn't matter where that as long as those people are surrendered, God could use you where you are at. It doesn't matter what, whether it's life or whether it's death, doesn't matter the circumstances, you can trust God and let God do his own work. It doesn't matter when. It doesn't matter when. Notice with me again as it goes on in verse 22. Whether Paul or Apollos, or Cephas, it doesn't matter who, or the world, it doesn't matter where, or life, or death, it doesn't matter what, or things present, or things to come, it doesn't matter when. That means we can trust God for the things present. We could trust God with the present, with the help of God. God, I've got some things I've got to get done. I can trust you. God, there are some things that need to be taken care of. I can trust you. There are some finances that need to be taken care of. I can trust you. There are some physical problems that I have to take care of. I can trust you. We can trust God in the present, but not just in the present, but for things to come. I don't have to worry about tomorrow because I know who holds my hand. I could trust him for tomorrow. I don't have to panic and borrow from tomorrow's problems for today. I just take care of today and let God take care of tomorrow. I can trust him. We can't trust man. Don't be self-deceived. Now we understand this idea of trusting man is not trusting yourself. You're going to fail and you're going to mess up, but you could always trust God. God will never fail. We just have to allow him to do his work. Get out of the way and trust him. It doesn't matter who. It doesn't matter where. It doesn't matter what. It doesn't matter when. We can trust him. He says, "For or things to come. Why? All things are yours. These are your gifts. These are things that God has provided for you. All things are yours that God has given you your pastor. He's given you people to influence you. He's given you a place to serve. He's given you circumstances that you're in. One day you're going to face death. One day you have to deal with today. And then you have to understand you could trust God for tomorrow. You can trust God for it all. You can't trust yourself and don't deceive yourself. Thank you that you can. You have to trust God. We can face all things because of Christ. Verse 23, and ye are Christ and Christ is God's. We belong to Christ and we can trust him and Christ belongs to God and we can trust him. We can trust him. Let no man glory in men, including ourselves. That's the idea here. Don't trust yourself and stop trusting yourself. The world's wisdom is foolish. Stop trying to do it yourself. Stop trying to live the Christian life by yourself. We try to tell people that you can't get saved without Christ. Well, stop trying to live the Christian life without Christ. You have to be in your Bible. If you're not in your Bible, you are not trusting God. 
period, declarative statement. If you're not praying the way you ought, you are not trusting God. In fact, I had an old evangelist say this, I can tell how much you're trusting God by how much time you spend on your knees. Little prayer, little power. Medium prayer, medium power. Much prayer, much power. We can trust God. We face so many things on our own because we're so self-deceived thinking that we can handle it. You have to realize you can't even go to work and do your job correctly. And you can deceive yourself and say, I've got this. But you're deceived. Lord, I need wisdom and I need discernment before I even go to the job. Help me not to mess up. Help me to do my job confidently and well. We have to depend upon him. We have to trust him. That's where it all comes to is that our our problems come from the time where we deceive ourselves. I can trust someone other than God. Let no man glory in men. You can't trust yourself. But you could trust in God that he knows what he's doing to allow a circumstance, to allow a situation, to allow a person to put you in a place you can trust him. So let me ask you, are you trusting in him? Are you depending upon him? Now, again, it's easy in a church service to nod our head and say, oh yeah, preacher, I'm trusting him. Are you willing to be foolish for him? Are you willing to start your day saying, Lord, I'm going to fail completely. I need your help. Are you willing to say, Lord, don't even let me take the reins because I'm going to wreck this whole thing. I need thee every hour. Every moment of the day. Day by day. With each passing moment. We need him. Let no man glory in himself. The problem of the church of Corinth was not the divisions. The problem was the source problem. They were trusting in themselves. They were trusting in man. They thought they had it. They thought they were good enough. That they didn't need God. They didn't need the Bible. They didn't need Paul breathing down their necks. We need to realize that we need God. We need the Bible. And we need God directing us. Because we can't do it ourselves. How do we keep from being self-deceived? Being in our Bibles. But we need to be open-hearted and open-minded. To allow God to direct us. To give God permission to point things in our lives that we don't want pointed out. But know that we need it. Let no man glory in men. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific, 
specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920-530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.